Arse Brothers go double bubble and bring you breakdowns of both Manchester and Huddersfield. We ask if Marilyn Fellaini could possibly be more of a cunt with less hair and ponder if there's anyone that Stefan Lichsteiner won't fight. All this and more tonight on this Another Arse Brothers Rantcast. Welcome to this and Arse Brothers Rantcast. More games, more points, more injuries. We're going double bubble this week because we couldn't get our shit together on a Thursday, or on the Friday rather, to uh, record a podcast and get it out to you for after the Man U game. But in all honesty, Toby, it was boring as fucking batshit, huh? Certainly was, mate. Your standard quintessential Mourinho shithousery performance, which was solely to disrupt us rather than try and win the game in front of his home fans. It, what a cunt. It's, I, I said after the game... I don't feel bad for Manchester United. I don't feel bad for them at all, right? I, I probably feel my most amount of disdain towards any team these days. Like, don't get me wrong, I fucking hate the Spuds. But I have so much disdain towards Man U in general. And... For Mourinho? Yeah, oh, so much yeah. more since Mourinho's been there, right? It's wherever he for goes, sure. I, I carry for my sure. disdain because he's such a cunt. But I must admit that... By the end of the game, I felt somewhat like bad for their fans that they have to be subjected to that shit for a big game and that in return we had to be subjected to that shit. It's probably the least excitement I've had for what is usually one of our biggest games per year leading into the game because Mm. I knew what it was like. And really Mm. from 20 minutes onwards... I mean, they came out and they played for the first 15 minutes. After that, it was just quintessential Mourinho boringness. Shithousery. Shithousery. Look, I don't think they were as bad as some of the narrative suggests. I actually think, you know, even though he, you know, he picked a pretty disjointed band of brothers, you know, at least they got up for him more. So he was he was certainly proving a point in that sense. So I don't think they were quite as bad. You know, I watched the game with a sense of nervousness because of what they were pulling off. So, you know, the game plan worked to some degree. But that that doesn't take away any of what you just said, you know, in terms of free-flowing football, end-to-end, what Man United fans expect from their team. Um, and overall, we definitely had the the better run of the game. And I I feel that we were the ones that would have walked away slightly disappointed. Even the atmosphere on the television sounded shit. I could hear our fans in the first half an hour. I could hear our fans more than I could hear their fans. Mm. Um, They had had a roar about them. No, they did did in parts, but I mean, that was something that, that stuck out to me in that first 20 minutes is we were obviously buoyant as a fan base having done what we did at Spuds. Sorry, what we did to Spuds. So I spoke to my mate Linus, who's a mad Man U fan. And he rang me and I answered the phone and I said to him, how shit was that? And he said, that's my favourite Man U performance this year. Yeah, see? See? Yep. You know, and for him, it was just about fight. And I said to yeah. him, surely that's an indicator of how fucking terrible you are that that level of shithousery, systematic, rotational fouling, is what you... The thing that you've said is the most enjoyable game was just to see some fight, any mm. fight, in your mm. team at all. 
Mm. But from us, a, a really good amount of fight. I, I mean, it, it was always going to be pretty obvious that we were going to come into that game with a low level of energy. And I thought, we've got to score early. We've got to score first. And man, you pressed the shit out of us early on. We could not get out. Um, Rob Holding had a, a, a pretty average first 20 minutes. Genduzi had a really, really average first 20 minutes. Really struggled in that combination with Torreira. Yeah, I yeah, he looked, I, he looked every bit a 19-year-old in, a, in that first Mate, people gave quarter. him man of the match. You know, and I was I was astounded. I had a couple of arguments with people on Twitter saying to them, you cannot just look at someone who runs around a lot and is high energy and make mm. that a preface for saying that they had a fantastic game. Because I had issues with him throughout the game. He did grow into the game a bit as time went on. But more and more, I thought, he is a work in progress and we need to look at him as a work in progress. And I think he's a fantastic player. I've said several times in this podcast, I think he's going to grow into a really fantastic player. I think we have to be really careful about how we roll him out and how we allow him to develop. I don't know. Did you see it the same as me? Did you see his performance the same as me? Is very dangerous and very loose. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're going to get into that in the three, two, ones. Um, but I maybe not as scathing as you, but and I actually don't feel like we had a lot of options to be honest. Um, you know, particularly with with Jacker suspended, but I feel that he's very, very good for about seventy or eighty percent. But the twenty percent that he does badly, and that's all down his inexperience, really exposes us heavily. Do you know what? Like, I was just going to make a point saying my issue with him was the high quantity of danger that he takes on. But in some ways, that's actually his most admirable um, Mm. asset, is that Mm. for such a young guy, he is so willing to get on the ball and he is so willing to drive and put in a little pass and put in a little... That's right. And, you know, and he plays very well for the the foul. But he he does not play the smart ball all the time, or he doesn't mm. play the easy ball all the time. And one of my early notes was just play the smart ball, Genduzi. Like, mm. grow into a game, settle yourself in. Um, but, I mean, we started the game. After the first 15 minutes, we rattled out a couple of chances, Toby. Um, little chance for Ramsey there. Nice chance for uh, Bellerin as well, blocked. And then, you know, not too long after that, a fucking David De Gea howler, which you're not going to hear us say many times in the season, but, I mean, a, a, a pretty technically bad miss, a bad missed save from a header that Mustafi should have done better with in that position. I mean, he did well to smash it into the ground. I didn't I didn't think it was a bad header. I, di- I didn't buy into that feedback that we've been hearing. I did. I mean, he, he had the entire goal to aim at and he smashed it essentially into the ground and straight at David De Gea. So it's a save mm. that De Gea should make. So therefore, it's not fantastically taken. Though, I did write a note down, down saying Mustafi has been threatening to do this for about three weeks now. Yeah, yeah for sure he has. Well, he almost scored against Spurs with the Vertonghen handball. You know, and he's got it in his game. We know that. So, yeah, no, it was good. But it was it was... Apart from the World Cup, when I think that's the first time I've ever really seen De Gea fuck up um, outside of his first few months in at Manchester United. You remember when they were talking about getting rid of him? Um, so, 
yeah, I mean, it, it was a huge surprise um, for for him to make a, a mistake like that. But um, yeah, we we certainly took it, and in a game which was riddled with errors, basically all four goals came from defensive errors. Um, yeah, it it wasn't the highest quality of of what was a classic um, classic rivalry back in the day. No, so and I mean they more... didn't let us play, and they didn't play. So, I, mm. I mean, like I said, with the, the systematic rotational fouling that they undertook, I didn't think the ref had great control of the game. I thought he could have been more disciplined early. He let a lot go, and I thought because he let so much go, that's why we ended up with that kind of five cards in six minutes or whatever it was. It was him trying to wrestle control back yeah. into the game. Um, and, I mean, that up, that upsets me because I think a more... I think a referee with a little bit more gumption to get into the game early and to give fouls and to give yellow cards at Old Trafford early, then that game wouldn't have been allowed to get into that sort of very bitty, very kind of gross situation that it got into with people just getting hacked. And there's some bad fouls. Well, I think there was one from Rojo that I was 100% should have been a, a red card. Mm. Um but I mean, I guess that touching on your point, I, I about, didn't. I didn't think that was a red card. I thought that was the right. I thought right it was. Pre- I thought it was. I thought if, by definition, if you're talking about reckless and out of, control, I think if it was us, we we wouldn't want it. We wouldn't think. Well, it was I red, thought it was. So. I thought it was reckless and and out mm. of control. Uh, Thirty mm. minute mark, Toby, Martial's goal, Leno, decent save from Rojo. Um, yeah, decent save. Yeah, the ball squirrels out. I, I didn't think that um, there were a few people online saying they thought Leno could have done. I, I thought that originally. That was my first reaction, but I think we have a tendency to go searching for someone to blame in any. Well, if there's anyone to blame, like there, it's it's Awobi because he plays yeah. on side. I think Herrera. He doesn't step up. He's the last man. Um, the ball comes back cross face. Martial smashes in one one. Yeah, yeah, it was a um, bit slow motion. Martial never should have had that much time, but um, it was a bit like, oh fuck, how did we, how did we do that? But less so than the next one that they scored. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess the next, I guess the next touching point we should probably look at is um, medial ligament. Rob Holding, pretty innocuous, huh? Yeah, well, there was some contact. I think it was from Martial. Um, and he's more solid than you give him credit for. He's got quite a set of trunks on him. But yeah, it, it was it was innocuous. And then seeing him get stretched off, um, you know that obviously that obviously indicates is something fairly serious and something to worry about. Um, but I by no means thought it had anything to do with the amount of um, game time over the last week or week and a half. Um, I felt it was just one of those one of those things, you know. It was partly contact, partly bad luck. I th- so I read one thing. Uh, forgotten who it was written by. I'll f- I'll find it and I'll I'll tweet it back up. Mm. But it was speaking it about wasn't it was speaking Fortnite about how fatigue. It. No, well, this thing I read was speaking about how fatigue sends the neurological the neurological signals to the muscles to be able to support the knee. Yeah, and yeah, how yeah. those neurological signals actually start to fade with more fatigue. So instead of the knee being prepared and adjusting the muscles for what it might be, mm. um, that really similar to actually what happened to Theo Walcott, very innocuous when Walcott did his ACL. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the two nil. 
against Spurs. You know, same 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 yeah. sort of thing with the two nil against Spurs, where you know he played a lot of games and it was kind of an innocuous thing, and then the next thing you know, I mean, Rob Holding could not have been far from kicking in Gareth Southgate's door. No, and then you know that his left sided position, especially with his ball holding ability, he was starting to make his home. You know, he was he was absolutely knocking on Southgate's door. I mean, if you're starting for the Arsenal and you're playing well week in, week out, you're getting close to an England call-up. Fact. I mean, even look back at, you know, Jenko's call-up for England all those years ago, starting for Arsenal and playing well. You're going to be in in a consideration. Mm. And, and, and the fact that he's a ball-playing defender and that's one of his greatest strengths, and that's, the, that's certainly the way we, England are trying to play these days. Um, a little innocuous injury for, for Ramsey as well, who again, Ramsey, divided a, a, a great deal of opinion. Um, I thought that Ramsey was really positionally indisciplined in the first half. I actually thought he was our best player in the first half for what he did on the ball, but I thought that the gaping spaces he left and how much he hung Bellerin out was also a massive detriment to what we did. So as much mm. as I thought that he was fantastic and he drove forward, he kept popping up on the left. He kept leaving the right-hand side where he had been stationed open. And Manu kept transitioning down that side and finding space down that side. And Well, I think, I think you just described Ramsey in a nutshell. I honestly think you did because I was sucked into his um, ball-playing ability early in that game and I was actually disappointed when he went off in the first half, but I remember writing a note to myself saying, where is he playing? Why is he central? Why is he starting to press on the left? And then and then it sort of sowed this little seed in the back of my mind, and I, I watched him closer for the rest of the game. And, and although his link-up play um, and that extra quality bringing others into the game and others making runs off of him and, and so forth was great, you're spot on in terms of, of partnerships and team dynamics. So I absolutely feel that's like a microcosm of his Arsenal career. I Um, think there's going to be a lot of chatter now about signing him up. Like there's a lot of chatter. No, no. Well, there was, there was straight away. There was straight away after the Spurs game, no doubt. And, um, you know, you'd be an idiot if you didn't start considering that, especially with the Ozil woes. Um, but I feel like what you just alluded to then, that, that positional arrogance, let's say, because I don't think he would have been tasked with that. So I was actually hoping for him behind a front two because I felt like that's how he ended the Spurs game. But when I realised he was supposed to be over on the right of a three, I thought, oh, here we go again. You know, And this is exactly what we've been saying for a long time. Aaron does what Aaron wants. And... I had softened towards him. You know, how can you not with the Spurs performance? But, yeah, it was... I mean, to to add to the microcosm, he also got injured. So, you know, I, I feel like this is, this is um, another indication of why we're winding it down. I understand what one of Embry's key tactics is. So one of Embry's key tactics is to overload a side which means Mm. that you have a midfielder popping up between the striker and the wing-back in order to create create those overloads and those overlaps. 
Yeah. My issue yeah. with Ramsey is he doesn't play to wide players a lot. Right, very rarely does he exchange with people out wide, and very rarely does he run into those channels because he's so goal hungry. He mm. always wants to pull into the channel, and I feel he actually pulls into some of the strikers' areas a lot of the time. Where the striker wants to be is where Aaron Ramsey wants to be. Yeah. So I understood yeah. it early on, but the thing is, is his decision making is so poor, so much of the time, about when yeah. to go and when to stay, and like you said, it's such a a, a view into why he's such a perplex, perplexing player and why he has so many issues. But Ramsey off injured, Mikatarian on, added a bit of tempo. Mikatarian, you know, did his thing, ran around a bit, still pretty fucking profligate um, with everything. Yeah, look, he does. It, it was, I, I would say it was one of his best performances, but like you've said a whole bunch of times, he does so much, but he fucks up so much as well. Um, and, and certainly that was a game for this. So whilst he, he did make an impact, while he, while he scored a cracking finish, he missed one with the outside of his foot from Kalasanach. Um, not easy by any means, but, you know, did he need to do it? Did he need to go for the ball in that way? Could have he wrapped his foot around it with his left? Could he have done better with his right? Um, you know, a miraculous volley for an offside position. So that would have... Um, that would have put the icing on the cake. And let's not forget a um, an assist for Lacazette or Rojo, as the case may be. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty good, but also a bit polarising at the same time. So another another example of, of what Mickey brings to our team and doesn't bring. Well, he did find the ball for Lacazette, which was our next goal, to go 2-1 up. Yep. Uh, don't know whether it's been credited... To Lacazette, he basically gets knocked the fuck out in the process when I think, yeah. uh, is it Rojo lands on his face? Someone lands on his face running over to um, mm. Bai lands on his face, like ass to mouth on his face and knocks him the fuck out. And the ball dribbles past De Gea. Um, I actually thought Lacker had taken a touch too many for that goal. I, I thought he was going to ping it early. Yeah, in the last couple have. of games, he's, he's he's starting to look just a little bit slower of thought, like he needs an extra touch. I, mean, I we'll, think that's a confidence thing. We're going to break down the Huds game straight after this. We're kind of motoring through the Man U game because it was so long ago. Um, living, on, living on notes here. Um, but straight away, down the other end, after the Lacazette goal, goal to Lingard, absolute mess, long ball off the kickoff. Kalasnak sells Leno shorts. It's a pretty bad error from Kalasnak, who had been really good, who had been our most dangerous player. And, um, mate, it's it's 2-2. Yeah, that was horrible. And and Kalasnak had been our best and most dangerous player, um, particularly in another disjointed performance. But um, I, I feel like Soc- Socrates, Socrates had a part to play. In that, you know, the ball bounced. He didn't deal with Lukaku and didn't clear it. And whilst it was Kalasinac's fuck-up overall, um, yeah, I felt Socrates was at least partly responsible. Look, mate, after that, the game doesn't necessarily fizzle. There's a really good chance for Bamiyang um, that De Gea makes a save for. Uh, Mikatarian smashes one in from an offside position. Really good finish, but from an offside position. 
And all in all, Toby, the game sort of peters to an end. The only real other talking points from the final part of the game is just how much of a cunt Fellaini is. And I don't know how he looks more like a cunt without hair, but he looks more like a cunt without hair. And mm. he must have been jealous and missed his Samson hair so much that he, he felt the need to grab Genduzi's Genduzi. and, yeah. and wear it as his own. Uh, he also elbows someone in the back of the head. He's well, a that's prick. That's what he does. He's a cunt. He, he, he epitomizes Mourinho. You know, Lichsteiner. Lichsteiner he elbows in the back of the head. He's a physical version of his spirit. He's a total cunt. Two things you missed. Obama Yang's Henri shot. Good save from De Gea. And then your banger man's miss slash good save from De Gea. I think it was a bit of both. Do you know what? I thought it was a good save from De Gea. So did I. I it was his, one of those hockey leg, saves down his low. Leg, his leg position. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, no, no hockey save is is um, actually a good description. I, I was thinking, you know, some boundary feeling in cricket, you know, getting your leg down behind the ball. So I thought Aubameyang did incredibly well to get to it. It flashes through. In that position, basically, if you get something on it, it Nine times out of ten, in. it's yeah. a goal. And I think it's very difficult when the ball's flashed across that fast to organise yourself, organise your body, and and pick a, a, a place of yeah. sorts. Yeah. So and, I, I and let's say good movement to get in that position as well. Absolutely, and, that's, absolutely. and that's what's key to his play. And this is why we can't always... You know, we have to look at him in a different way. He's not going to hold up the ball like Lacazette does. He's not going to bring the men in behind. He's not going to play with his back to goal particularly well. But his movement is all about creating those three, four, five, and even six opportunities per game. That's where he's gold dust. He's low touch, high production. That's right. And let's, let's, I reckon let's as Arsenal fans start observing and appreciating and analysing that movement, because I think that's what we should be looking at, and I think that's what we're starting to to get into. I think he's one of those players, probably. You know um, how sometimes when people go to a game and watch the game live, there are elements that they'll see that you don't see on television and vice versa? I reckon he'd be one of those players. I yeah. would say 100% he would be one of those players who's, who live, you probably see the quantity of runs he makes, the quantity of moves... Yeah. He yep. makes, how he bends his run, how he keeps going, all yep. of the above. Uh, yep. Toby, three, two, ones, one, two, threes. Who did you yep. have for your positive three for the day and why? My my three was for Lucas Torreira. Um, not because it was his greatest performance. I actually thought he was fucked from the Spurs game. But my my notes were that there was no one else good enough in that game. He got about he got about well, if not a bit fatigued, as alluded to before in the Spurs game. You know, almost scored, was fairly tidy and dirty enough to counteract a lot of Mourinho's dirtiness. I didn't so, think his and Genduzi's partnership and I haven't thought either it didn't of the work. times it didn't they work particularly well together, no. has worked yeah. well. I don't think it's worked well at all yet. I yeah. think probably maybe Genduzi Xhaka maybe is a slightly better partnership. But, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I said this to you straight after the game, I see Genduzi's future in a midfield three. I see Arsenal's future in a midfield three. So playing a 4-3-3. Now, whether that is Genduzi, Torreira, Xhaka, Maitland-Niles, Torreira, Xhaka, or any of those combinations, I think that that's the best system that we can get. 
I don't mm. like Ganduzi in a two because he's so loose. Mm. So I, I just don't know if if Lacazette and your banging man are great in a front three. So that's that's that's. I think whilst, we, I think we're I agree all coming you, to the conclusion that they're not great in a front in a in a front three, Toby. Yeah. I think yeah. that's kind of but I like that four three clear. three call. I do, but you know maybe you alternate between them, you know, and you get into really good wing forwards potentially. Or, you know, what I still want to see is a three four one two. That's that's what I want to see. Three four one two. Yeah, am I it's missing a So it's what, we, it's what we played against Huddersfield, essentially. We didn't, no, because we, we had three in the midfield against Huddersfield. Yeah. So that's where it went wrong, but we should, so we should that discuss time. that. Yeah, we should discuss we'll that We'll discuss that when we talk about the Huddersfield game after yeah. we finish the Man U game. So, Toby, for me, my three points I had for Jared Butler. Socrates. Yeah, Thought he course. was smashing okay. all day. Thought he was big. Thought he was strong. Thought he was fucking aggressive. Um, I don't think he, he really didn't put a foot wrong except for maybe his part in that giant fuck-up from a long ball. But three points for me was for, for Jared Butler. I had constant, relentless notes about him just saying, so big, so strong. He's so much of what we've missed as a centre-back. And uh, people were, were shitting their pants about him in the early parts of the season, saying he looks slow and he looks sluggish. A couple of times he got turned, I was like, he's, he's got pace, he's got power. Well, he, he was actually the second-fastest sprint behind your banger man when those stats were released, so that was surprising. Yeah, cool. Uh, Toby, mm. two points. Who did you have and why? Uh, I gave two points to Mustafi. So I actually thought he was the best of the defenders above Socrates. Some good clearances and blocks. Uh, was a bit nervous when he got on a yellow, but it turned out okay in the end. Um, and that he scored a goal for us against the run of play, regardless of whether you think it was a, a great header or not. Um I thought there was some justification for giving him points for that. Well, Toby, I also gave Mustafi two points. I thought Excellent. he was. Re- I thought he was really good. Thought he was really good in the challenge. I thought he was aggressive in the challenge. Um, obviously, scored the goal. You, you can't not put points on someone for scoring goals, especially when they're as, as important as that. Especially when you mm. consider the fact that we were so low energy. You yeah. know, we were always going to run out of juice. So, for for me, two points. Can't miss him. Toby, one point. Who did you have and why? Uh, Hector for one point for this game. not crazy, man. I've got note after note after him saying that, not that I thought he was in any way bad, but that I just thought that he was really tired, didn't have a buddy for a lot of it, and I thought he was quiet. So, I'm really interested. Kind of. That's amazing because my note's completely different. So, I wrote not his best day but was really tidy and composed on the ball. And I feel that that's what we've been seeing. Do you remember we were talking last week about his leadership and his confidence because he's basically been playing by himself for the last four years? That level of composure and ability to think quickly to see himself out of tight spaces, I think that that is absolutely 100% amazingly useful for the, for the way we play and the way he gets hung out. So... What, what I actually said about him in terms of his fatigue, which is interesting, is that I actually said he's used to playing a lot of games because we've had no other options for so long. So he was a bit less fatigued than the others. I'd so, be really and also, worried about I thought, him going down with an injury I thought, 
Yeah, and uh, just just on a final note, I thought there was some good link-up play with Mikatarian when he came on as well. You know, because as we discussed, there wasn't such a great partnership happening with with Rambo. Uh, Tobes for my one point had Kalasinac. Yep, really big, really strong, really fast. Put a lot of balls in the box. Some people online were saying that they didn't think that he had a great game because nothing had come from a lot of his crosses. And I can kind of understand the thinking behind that, but I thought it was actually and one of his better games defensively. Well. Yeah, I yep. thought it was one of his better games defensively. He got back a couple of times. Uh, I think he's a big body, and this run of games is going to massively increase his fitness levels. And I think yep. with Kalasinac, if we can get a fit player with Kalasinac, Maybe even if he can trim down a little bit, you know, he, he still looks a bit no. over. He still no. looks a bit Stay oversized huge. for me. No. <laughs> but the fridge, I gave my one point. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, he nearly won the game for us with that ball to your banger man. Um, so, Kalasanak, the fridge. Starting to fall in love with him, man. I, I was writing tweets a couple of months ago saying, sell him and get what you want. Get what? Yeah. Sorry, sell him and get what you can. Yeah. No, he I've always part- loved him. No, I loved him, but he was part of that group where I was saying it's time to stop being sentimental and mm. it's time to start going after getting money for players and bringing in better people. I really don't mind him now. So, no. No, but, uh, but look, we'll see, we'll see how he goes because there are a lot of negative issues with him and we'll talk about that in the Huds game when we break yeah. that down in the next half an hour. Yeah, Toby, into your negative numbers, and these seem to be... Uh, I put up a, a tweet saying... You know, that I, I there were some certain things I thought about the game. And I got some vehement, vehement anger in the Arsenal fans forum from some people um, about, I guess, one specific thing that I did. And that was my negative three, Toby. I gave it to Gendouzi. We touched on it earlier. I said, when a player makes you miss another player that much, they can't have had a good game. That's and I right. found it weird that people were writing... How much did we miss Xhaka? My God, we missed Xhaka so much. And we're then sort of waxing lyrical about Gendouzi. And the two I think didn't it's make the sense darling. to me. I think it's the darling thing. And we're not... I, and I don't think you're discrediting his abilities. But like I was saying before, the, the magnitude of his fuck-ups are huge. You know, and every bit the 19-year-old. So whilst he does get around a lot, his movement's great, um, his short pass completion rate is very good, he draws a good foul, you know, he does a lot of things really well. He is amazing at exposing us and just being every bit an inexperienced 19-year-old. Look, my one of my things with him is he has a tendency to go down the second he gets touched. Right, so he gets into some well, quite... he's playing dang- for the foul, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. So he gets into really dangerous situations, and he was quite lucky in this game that the referee gave him a lot of very soft fouls. Very yeah. soft fouls, where he was in trouble, where he'd fucked up. So I just found it really strange. I, I don't understand. It's a dichotomy for me. So, Toby, who did you have for your negative three? I also had Gendouzi. Mm. All right. So my words were he worked hard, but was a constant point of anxiety. Gave away possession, played passes that weren't on to expose us to the counter. 
looked every bit 19 years old against an aggressive United. Really highlighted why Xhaka plays every game. Makes you appreciate the Granite Torreira axis just a little exactly. bit more. Because I also thought Torreira, I thought Torreira didn't play as well without Xhaka being there, which is interesting for me. Mm. I, I think he needs that that static totem that is becoming Xhaka because as time's going on, it's becoming apparent. Torreira is starting to step up a little bit higher and win the ball higher up when we're yeah. out of possession in particular. And maybe Granite is actually playing that slightly deeper role with Kenduzi playing the, the heavy recovery role. Uh, sorry, with Torreira playing the heavy recovery role, mm. as in getting back and snapping into challenges. It's not the yeah. way that we thought it was going to roll out at the start of the no. season. No, I, I swear it's much more of a Coquelin role. So I, I think that Xhaka is actually playing a pseudo version of how he was playing before, that slightly quarterback role. And let's not forget how much Xhaka actually brings the wingbacks into the game. And I feel like that's what we were missing a bit against Man U. Well, he had a belter against Huds, but we can yeah, talk about we that. We have to get into that next. We yeah. do have to get into that next, Toby. Negative two for me, Toby. I had Alex Awobi, and I am racking up the points on this guy at the moment, the negative points. <laughs> yeah. I just wrote do you know? Do you know why I chuckled? Completely ineffective on the game. So why did you chuckle? Yeah. Because I also chose Alex Awobi <laughs> for negative two. Racking up the points, huh? Mm. So I, I wrote for being increasingly average in the final third. We can carry his work rate and supply line if we have two other goal scorers up top. He's another guy similar to, I think, the way that people are perceiving Genduzi. They're perceiving work rate and effort and how much they're trying as skill. Yeah, but we're also seeing a lack of final product. And, and the more we get into these games where chances that are at a at a premium with for us to be profligate in this way it's going to cost us at some point so we're not saying that we're not huge fans of Awobi and we get behind him and we love our guys who come up through the academy but what we're saying is these are young players young players by their definition are inconsistent you know they can be just as brilliant as the experienced guys because they're they're running on natural talent but you can't play this amount of games against this amount of teams with ex, like different setups, you know, some hold, some press, some systematically and tactically rotationally foul. You know, we, we're starting to see, you know, natural ability and flamboyance doesn't always pay off. And, you know, we need horses for courses. We need different players for different games sometimes. So anyway, this consistency is starting to play out with quite a few negative points. The last few weeks. If you took any other wide player playing as often and as many minutes as Alex Awobi is, I think you would probably find his production for a wide forward, quotation marks, yeah. is one of the lowest in the top 10 clubs. Yeah. And I think at some point, the rose-tinted glasses about Alex Awobi are going to have to come off a bit because it is so important to Arsenal, because we're not in the most financially secure position. We don't have so much money to spend. There's a couple of players we're really leaning into. Like, we need these guys to be the guys so we don't have to go and buy those guys. And I think yeah. there's a little bit of because we want it to be so, we're going to make it so. Look, I still think he'll get there. So I don't think it's a matter of whether or not 
Awobi is going to make it or not. I think it's a matter of whether or not he's going to be able to make it fast enough, whether he's going to be a starter in the next year, two years, or whether he needs to be you know, a guy who's bought in and out of the team and through the Champions League and bought on off the bench. My point to support that um, and not to argue against it is I actually think he should be the second choice behind a starter because he's still got room to develop. He's so young still. He doesn't need to be absolute first choice. I wonder if he's got the balls and the attitude to go and be one of the best. I don't think it's a, a skill set thing with a Wobi. I wonder if it is a, a mentality thing. You know, you take some of these guys, when they come through, they believe that they're the best. There's an arrogance to the top, top players in the world. A Wobi is such a humble kid. I wonder whether he needs to shed some of that humbleness. Humbleness? I wonder yeah. whether he needs to shed some of that humbleness and start thinking he's the man because sometimes I think he doesn't take things on when he should take things on. He's always in two minds. But, yeah, racking up the points at the moment, worrying for me. Toby, for one point, I completely struggled. I sat here with a blank piece of paper for half an hour after the game and went through every player in the team and couldn't come up with someone to put in for, for a negative one point. So you know what I did, mate? For negative one point, as much as I can't, jump on a guy who's just done an cruciate ligament. I gave holding a negative <laughs> one. You dirty cunt. I really struggled, man, but early on in my notes, I you know, yeah. until no, he no, got injured, play. I had four yeah. or five notes saying that he looked tired, saying that he was consistently getting pressed, he was struggling to get out, he kicked the ball out a couple of times. I know it's terrible to give a guy a negative one when he does a cruciate, but such was the nature of the game. There just weren't that many really bad players on the pitch, and I just completely struggled to give anyone a negative one. And mm. as we say every week, such is the sometimes difficult nature of the three two ones and one two threes. Sometimes you just gotta pick someone. So negative mm. one, Rob Holding, sorry buddy, get well soon. Yeah. And in a team of six and sevens again. So negative one for me was the fridge. So Oh, that's insanity, Toby. The reason I gave Kalasinac a negative one was that it would have been at least a plus one, if not for the mistake. In a game like what you just said, where you're really struggling to differentiate between positive and negative players, particularly with a you know a bunch of six and sevens, I just thought the defensive fuck up for the goal warranted, you know, at least a negative one point, at least. So whilst he was our most potent attacking outlet. He was also a little bit profligate. Um, heavy touches, um, you know, went through on goal at, at least once um, and not as great with his delivery. So whilst, whilst it certainly wasn't the worst performance, I thought it was worth a negative one. So, Toby, final thoughts on the Manchester game before we dig into the Huds game. Um, anything else that you wanted to touch on? Anything you wanted to just say other than the fact it was fucking horrible? It, it, it wasn't the best game to watch. It was a bit just disjointed. We were really fatigued from just the amount, sheer amount of effort that we put in the Spurs game. Um, but look, overall, even though we can be a little bit disappointed not to win it, in the context of things, I actually thought they were more up for it than than a lot of our fans gave them credit for. Um, and I don't know about you, but I had some real times of 
of nervousness and anxiety and you know how how fitting or how bloody typical it would have been if that horrible fucking cunt Fellaini had have scored a winner in like the 75th minute with six minutes of extra time so whilst whilst yeah we probably had the better of the chances um i think a point away against Man U in the situation of less than three days turnaround, I think it was pretty bloody good. And the lovely transition or the um, the segue now into the Huddersfield game, that two points made, and this is what Emery said, the next game, absolutely paramount to get the win. Right after the game, my, my first feeling was two points dropped. Mm. Right after the game, that was my first feeling, my my emotional response to it, and that was just because of the nature of the two goals we conceded. But I mean, before the game, I always thought it was going to be tight. I think I picked it for a, I think I might have picked Man U for, I think I picked it for a one-one. You picked it for a two-two. Yeah. Um. So in the end, you can't be upset with that. And if, like I've I've said time and time again, if at the start of the year, you had have said out of those two games, looking at that fixture list, that regardless mm. of where those points fell, you were going to take four points out of those two games. Mm. I think you'd have bitten someone's arm off for it. And and don't forget, like there were some people who were really buoyant and positive for this game, and Manny turned around and said, "No, nah, they're going to get up for this." And I don't think we're giving enough credit to that team, the bunch of misfits, for getting up the way they did. So yeah, they systematically fouled and shit housed us, but they actually put in a pretty good shift against a banging form Arsenal. Fantastic. So Toby, into the Huddersfield game for this double bubble episode on the Ars Brothers. Um, I know you were very active on Twitter in the time leading in that you were desperate for Torreira to be sat down for this for fear of injury and what we have coming running through the December period. Talk Absolutely. me through what your thoughts were about that. And wasn't it interesting how, when I think you put it up in the Arsenal fans forum, and people just did not see it. I saw it. I backed you 100%. I was like, absolutely, we need to be starting to think about resting people. Yeah, I was shocked with people's lack of of seasonal seasonal management awareness you know well, i mean, like that. that i coined that a couple of weeks ago you did coin that so that that's what we were we were discussing about looking beyond the immediate so for me i was i was calling for and and i actually didn't even see him on the bench so i don't know if something has happened or there's an injury who, or something. who didn't you see maitland niles so my my post was is it time to rest our little lion we're at home we can play with the back four. I didn't expect us to play with the back three again. We can play with the back four. And we can actually have Xhaka as our holding midfielder and bring in Genduzi again or Maitland-Niles or even play with Xhaka and both of them with a, with or a both midfield, run out in a midfield three. three. Absolutely. Um, and I just felt that it was a very sensible option because I don't know about you, but even though Torreira ended up being man of the match against Manu, he was stuffed. He was, you could tell, he, he was on his last legs. He was gone in the Spuds game, Toby. He was cooked. I, I, I was even surprised that he saw out the 90 yeah. for the Man U game. And there were a you couple know. of times in that Man U game where I thought he was injured as well because he was throwing himself about. He was up against some big bodies, you know. I mean, Matic is a big unit. We know Fellaini is a big unit. Herrera gets about a bit. 
So I, I really felt that he was throwing himself in and he was running on adrenaline and aggression. But um, they're those points where you can get injured, you know, and like you were saying before with your, you know, your neural pathways and that, if they're not firing as quickly, then, you know, your muscles aren't contracted, ready to protect the, you know, the ligaments. and The, the idea of him going down injured makes me shit all of the shit into my pants. Dude, it, well, it's so important, so important has he become now, mm. not only just what he does defensively, but what he does stealing the ball high up, his level and ability to create, and yep. now goals. So, I mean, I said it last week, I think I said it two weeks ago, I'm going to say it again right now. Whatever contract he's on, it needs to be doubled, the length, and whatever we're paying him, it needs to be increased. Because I'm telling you, this guy is maybe one of the top three guys in the world in that position right now, and big, big clubs are going to come in for him. Big clubs. Mm. I'm talking top four Champions League clubs. We need mm. to make sure that that asset is so secured that if he wants to go, it's a hundred million pounds or bust. Well, look, I mean, I don't I, want him I, to go. I'm not saying I ever want him to go. I'm just saying the reality of it is, you've got a world class player. I think you're speaking from a very, very nervous and burned previously Arsenal fan. As a 22-year-old, there would be no way he wouldn't be on a five-year contract. So Arsenal are in more of a strong position than you give credit to. So Give him a 10-year could... contract. <laughs> give him a lifelong... You give know, him a, a, a Daly Cherry Evans from Manly in the NRL contract. Yeah. A lifelong contract. Yeah. Yeah, idiot. Give me a DC. Yeah, whilst I understand what you what you're saying, and and definitely there there could be an increase in tabs, but we're talking about like the first six months of a contract. So don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I would honestly, I would honestly just give him more money. If anyone in this team deserves to be on the highest wage bracket, mm. the highest wage bracket possible, like within reason, you know, he needs to be on two. Oh, me too. I, I, just, I just give him the money. Toby, were you surprised, as I was surprised, to see us go out in the three again? Lichsteiner came into the team, obviously, with Holding going out. Yeah, I didn't. I don't mind Lichsteiner there, but I, I actually think it could be an option to prolong his career. I actually think he could, could be quite good there. But um, I was surprised because I, I didn't think it was overly necessary. And then they played a back three as well, so we effectively cancelled each other out. Um, and a strange formation for us as well. I mean, Arsenal fans kind of finally get what they were asking for. Certainly what in, I wanted. In a in a two-up front. Um, but the midfield was a, 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 a really strange shape for me. So it was it was kind of like a three, like a three-five-two. Initially, I, I thought it was going to be like a diamond. It was going to run out in a diamond. Mm, but yeah, with someone more maps, advanced forward, yeah. Looking at the heat maps from the halftime, it really was a straight line of bodies in front of the mm. front three. So mm. Xhaka set the sat the deepest. Genduzi was very central. Uh, Torreira played the overload on the inside channel. Um, and really played that overload a lot, linked up with uh, with Bellerin a huge amount in the early parts of the game and got forward. Yeah. Um, but the two strikers for me were, were very isolated for for much of the game. Let's sorry, were very isolated for the whole first half. Never really came into it. Lacquer kind of held up the ball quite well. 
Uh, I thought he did a good job holding up the ball. Yeah, no, no, so did I. But, I mean, he did that job quite well. He did that Giroud job quite well. But, you know, nothing really kind of came from it. And I think everyone sort of expected that if we see two up front, if we start to see this partnership develop, we were going to get a repeat of Fulham. One of my very early notes, when I initially looked at the lineup, I thought, Emery's gone for the jugular here. He must think that they're rooted, the Arsenal team are rooted, and taking that mentality again of, I'm going to go out and run hard for 45 minutes, get some goals, and then we'll be able to back off and hold on to it. And do you know what? Do you know what? If we weren't profligate, it would have worked. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we had, we had chances, man. We had, we had a chance. lot of chances. I mean, Huds were very good for 15 minutes. Very good for 15, 20 minutes. Very pressy, really organised. Gave us lots of issues. I thought they were good for most of the game, actually. I mean, they were, they were horrible, but they were very good. They played well. Aubameyang, for me, looked particularly tired early on. Uh, heavy-legged early on. Like, he didn't seem to have any pop, any zing. He does get the first chance, and it's a bit of a bad miss. Huge chance for Aubameyang. Uh, the cross shot from Xhaka... From the edge of the box, Shaka with his right foot, and Aubameyang, you would expect a guy in his level of form just to be able to turn that inside the post. Well, I, I almost thought he, he caught it too well. So the fact that he was going with his left, he actually needed some some swerve to come off it. So the fact that he hit it flush and that it came off his foot you know, at a, at a straight angle, he actually needed to come across it a little bit and get a little bit of that banana, that bend on it. So... Yeah, look, it was um, definitely definitely goes down as a miss, no doubt. Um, the one the one that um, you missed out on was very early on with Bellerin, where he had the he he chose to pick out your banging man instead of go for on goal himself when he was through, and I thought the de- defender actually made a really good last ditch. Um, covering tackle to prevent it going through. I don't think Bellerin's are, are, are ever going to be a high-production, goal-scoring, wide back. You no, know, I, he, I don't. He's, I, he, he's he doesn't have. Line. He doesn't have the confidence. He's a supply line. I think. I kind of don't mind that so much with him because we've got the guys there. I'm not disagreeing with you that the better op- mm. option was to shoot, but I also think when you've got 110 million pounds of strikers standing in front of you. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd also yeah. You, yeah. You're sitting there going, okay, I'm just going to feed off. This is what I'm I'm here to do. Um, another chance in the game straight after that, Toby Lacazette, strange miss. Uh, fantastic ball in between the lines. Uh, really great interchange between Bellerin and Genduzzi. Yeah. Uh, another little, little head in, sort of one-two, headed back in. And um, Lacazette takes the most lovely touch to trap it. And then kind of scissor kicks it into his standing foot and just skies it. Really, really strange miss. And well, another... he, just, he just slipped. He just slipped. It's not, it's not that bad because anyone can slip. And I felt that two defenders were coming across at breakneck speed. So he was trying to speed it up. You know, perhaps, I don't know if it would have been possible to take it first time. Perhaps he didn't have enough time to actually take that first t- touch, regardless of whether it was good or not. And then he just had to rush to get that shot away. And I feel like that's why that's why he slipped and kicked it into his own foot. But I got that feeling at that time as, shit, you know, this is two in two minutes, maybe three in however many minutes. 
one of those games where that fear started creeping in that like these guys are like heroically defending and I mean Huddersfield and we are not being the best with the chances we're taking and we're playing three holding midfielders so we're not really connecting or really you know, missed really missed either an Urzel or a Ramsey in that position that Genduzi was playing in Absolutely. We did you know, have, um, it, it would have meant even less options on the bench, but we did have Mikatarian who could have played the 10. Um, look, he's, do you know the funny thing? He's been tried there a couple of times in that and 10. And he's shit. And, he and shit. he's shit every fucking time. So yeah. I, I don't know why it doesn't suit him. I know he played there a lot in Dortmund. You'd think he'd have that interchange with mm. you bang a man. Um, but I think Emery's just reached a point where he's he's not willing to willing to give that a crack anymore. Um, yeah. Much like you, Toby, after these two misses, I started thinking, shit, I hope that's not it for us because I didn't think we were going to have the legs and I could see what the, the mentality of Emery was. I could see the two up front. I, I, I thought he was just going to empty their tanks. And I wrote in about the 30th minute, I would not be surprised if we saw a double substitution at the half-time mark again. Mm. Because mm. I wonder if he's given them that same directive where he said, go out and empty your tank mm. to the wider but I, guys. But I didn't think Lacquer played badly. No, 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 no. I didn't think Lacquer played badly at all. I thought that he held up the ball really well. He mm. was really, really strong. Did, I mean, did in you the first think his half, goal was offside or not? By the letter of the law, it's not possible for it to be offside because I don't think that he was active active enough in the first part of play and regardless of whether he was active or not surely when the defender then fluffs a back pass mm. it's a new phase of play well that's what I was thinking I mean the fact that he was marginal I, I actually thought it wasn't offside at all the, the first time and I, no, and he was I, and I wrote but that there down. was a toe there was a toe but, and the problem is when refs are giving those offsides they're guessing Right, yeah, there's no true. way a, a ref looks down that line, a touchy looks down that line and says, "I know for a fact he's offside." Mm. He's flipping on the replay, there. though. You're right; he was because if you look at the line of the grass, the way it's cut on the pitch, he was offside. However, you're absolutely right. Again, it was so second phase; it should have it should have stood because he'd effectively played himself back onside by making that arch run. You know, it was just marginal. And then a new phase of play had happened. So, anyway. Just quickly before we finish off the half, Xhaka uh, yellow carded for simulation in the middle of the park. Strange place to simulate if I you didn't were actually simulate. see it. I didn't actually see it. I, must, I actually wrote a note to myself saying he's got a yellow, but I'm not sure what for. So, it was either the, the, the slightest hair of a touch... Or he decided to buy a foul in the in the middle of the park. Now, take into account, I think it was this ref's first Premier League game. I think I might be wrong on that. Either his first Premier League game or his first game uh, refereeing Arsenal. I'm not sure which one it was, but I thought that him giving Arsenal three cards for simulation. There's only one of them that was genuinely simulation, and that was Genduzi's later on in the game was a straight up dive, and yeah, I was yeah. absolutely fine with that. The Xhaka yeah. one, I wasn't... If he got a tiny touch and he just tipped his leg into his knee while he was running, because he was running, then he, he would have tripped. 
the Mustafi one, I thought there was a tiny bit of contact, and I think that now if there's any contact, you cannot give the foul, but I don't think you can give simulation if there's even a hand in the back because yeah. you're feeling contact and you're going down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the Jack one was the strangest one because it was like he'd just been shot. Yeah. <clears throat> then disaster, Toby. Disaster. Mustafi, fifth yellow, misses the next game. At this point, we didn't know that Mustafi was going to pick up an injury. So initially, I'm thinking, holy fuck, what are we going to do for centre-backs? Very shortly after that, Toby, in the second half, Socrates, yellow card. What the fuck are we going to do in the next game with no centre-backs? So we've gone from having three centre-backs and two fill-ins to having no centre-backs a guy who's just come back from a serious Achilles injury, a 33-year-old left back and a 36-year-old right back. Well, it's like we stepped back into the Arsene Wenger days, the Koscielny-Mineral combination. Let's just hope that Southampton don't respond to their new manager, is all I can say. There is an option of playing Koscielny in the centre, Mineral on the left and Licksteiner on the right. Would you trust Koscielny on 90 minutes straight away? Well, Surely you've think, got to play two. I don't think there's any bloody choice. You're not going to play Monreal and Licksteiner, are you? You're just not. Maybe so, you got to drag. Maybe you got to drag one of the boys up from the the youth team. Well, I don't even know any of them. I mean, Mav- Mavropanos has been freaking injured the whole time. He's not. He's even not. Ready. He's not back yet. He's close. No, maybe you bring up Medley, uh, who played in the Europa League. Maybe you bring up the the other one who played in the Europa League, the the little Spanish one, and you just go for it. And I, don't, is, I don't see it how Koscielny for 60 minutes would be worse than... But that's what I'm saying. So you can't play three at the back. So you've got to play Koscielny for 60 minutes and pull him off. Or you start with a three, get them bedded in, and then pull Koscielny off, hopefully once we've we've gone up. But I, that, I think that's, would, that's what I would think, yeah. It would be very strange to see Koscielny go out for... Be very strange to see Koscielny run out for 90 minutes after a serious Achilles injury. Oh, well, if he's fit enough for the bench, he should be fit enough to play. So I don't think that's a I don't think that's true at all, Toby. Mm. I think if you're fit enough for the bench, you're fit enough for 20 minutes. Mm. You know, you're you're fit enough to to come on. I mean, to the point where when Mustafi went off, Koscielny didn't come on. Monreal came on. Mm. You know, I think yeah, that yeah. is an indication of where they see Koscielny's fitness at. I think or it was wise to important. bring Monreal on. Just yeah, but I think they also to... see how important Koscielny is going to be, I think, in the coming month throughout the mm. December and early January mm. period. And I think there, there was a mentality there of saying, let's. I think we can get through this game. We've got Nacho. Nacho's a good centre-back in a three. Not mm. in a two, but in a three, I've got no issue with Nacho. Yeah. yeah. Uh, end of the first half, Toby. Um more fouls in the first half for Huddersfield than any other team in the Premier League had in the entire game this week. Mm. Well, they, they were pressing hard. Some of it was admirable. Some of it was downright dirty. Um, but it was definitely their brief. There's no doubt about that. And, and look, fair play, because if you're, if you're a team with that budget or with that level of technicality, you've got to, you've got to find a way to beat the bigger clubs. And, Although it's really frustrating to watch, I don't have a huge problem with it. You know, if you're managing a team like that, you've got to try and get under the skin 
of um, you know of the Arsenal, and you know it it is what it is. I mean, yeah, it was really frustrating, and it, a lot of it was quite dirty. You know, you had the Williams slide in from behind, which could have taken Torreira out, and then you how had... good was Lichsteiner? Oh, it was going brilliant. face to face with him. It was He's brilliant. a bad. Did you Lich, see Lichsteiner go up and give Torreira a tap? Like, I'll fucking get him for you. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I, I I love him, and like you were saying last week, his signing has a, has more to do than I think we're giving credit for for that leadership within the team. So yeah, before, well, I've got I've got a good I've got a good piece on this later on. So we'll just we'll okay. brush over that because I've, I I really want to dig into this after we've finished up the Huddersfield thing and gone yeah. through the three two ones one two threes yeah. because like you just said, I think it is a huge piece that maybe some of the Arsenal fans are either not looking at or haven't thought about because it's been so long since we had these types of players. Well, but, I think he's been signed as a pseudo-coach. But we will crack in. We will crack into that heavily later on. Toby, as expected, half-time changes. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty huge going the two changes at once, I probably would have gone with the one. You know, as we've said, we love Emery's balls, you know, his giant elephant Titus balls. Um, but I, I didn't think Lacazette in particular had done a lot wrong. You know? No, I think that was 100% Emery at his most tactical. I think okay. he looked at it and he thought, I need pace. I need power and I need tempo because Arsenal were running in Wellington boots. Yeah. They were really struggling for energy. Yeah. I think he just thought, who are my two most high-tempo players in the squad, yeah. regardless of who was on the pitch? I think that Mkhitaryan and Awobi are Arsenal's two, two highest-tempo players. They get on the ball and they run, and they're ball carriers. And driving so, deep-lying defences as well. Yeah, so you know, though, and Huds, were, Huds, were, Huds were, were, were very compact and sitting yeah. deep and fouling and even, a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's right. So even though they were pressing, they were actually very compact. And I think and, when you've got yeah. a team who's diving in and fouling a lot, you need people who can shift the ball quickly. Mm. I mean, you saw even Awobi's first touch is a ball over the top where he just powers, powers mm. and, and, and picks up the ball. Well, he did a couple of good things. I mean, I, I found him hugely frustrating again, and I think we'll get into that later. But, you know, you're probably right. Tactically, it did make a difference. It at least gave us an opportunity to go around, you know, this, this compact defence rather than trying to play through with, with zero width and then zero attacking midfielder to be able to thread the eye of, eye of a needle. And their impact was immediate. Mkhitaryan's first touch is a is a yep. reasonably good effort shot on goal with his left foot back across. Yep. Awobi's first touch is to burn the defender and and win a corner. Mm. And for the first time in the game, I thought that we looked like we had tempo. Unfortunately, it kind of only lasted for about ten minutes. Yeah, and then it all yeah. it all dropped off again. And and you know, I think uh, Granite Jack has said it in the post-match press conference. He said it is not normal to play, you know, four games in two weeks or whatever it is. So, mm. you know, the the result in the end is, as Jacker was saying, was was massive. It was just about getting us through. That's and, right. you know, That's back right. to what we said at the top of the show about how we both wanted to see maybe some key players rested for this. Maybe Emery did see this as a really highly important game in the scheme of things, as in 
if you're going to go take points off the big boys, you need to then back that up to solidify your place in the table. The problem is, you've got to do that next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. And we've been saying over and over and over again that the the squad is starting to look thin now. It's starting to Very look, thin. look stretched Very thin. now and stretched for quality. You know, by the time you've taken Welbeck out, Holding out, Mustafi out, Ramsey out, uh, even, you know, Mavropanos out. Well, this, this is why I wanted to see Maitland-Niles at least get 20 or 30 minutes. And it's why I don't understand why he wasn't even on the bench. So my whole point about, and, and it's right back to the top of the discussion about resting Torreira, was actually trying to bring some form in a little bit of playing time for some of our fringe players because they're going to be necessary over December and the New Year period. We're going to be playing game after game after game. and So you he, need to bed these guys. That's they right. need game time. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I reckon you're going to have Death Row who's going to have to have some playing time. You're going to have to have Maitland-Niles going to have some playing time. You might even have Chris Willett who's going to have some playing time. So... You know, we'll see what happens in the... In the Eddie Nketiah is going to have to have some playing time. I mean, we have to get through till January. And as we know, historically, I mean, except for the Aubameyang signing, historically, January is a very difficult time to bring in players. Very mm. difficult time to bring in players indeed. Mm. Um, mm. You have to have a club who's either got a problem with someone and wants yeah. them out, or you yeah. have to have someone who's running down his contract and the club needs to get something for them immediately. And those things, I mean, unless you're Arsenal Football Club, those things don't come up so often. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I was, you know, the, the, the way that the team was struggling into the second half, it, it didn't look like it was going to happen. Um, there were a couple of little chances. Uh, there's a little chance for Kalasinak. Um, which he he kind of fucked up a bit. Um, he had a really really funny game for me, Kalasnak. Another one who looked really tired, a big body who looked really mm. really tired. Um, there was a really good chance for Abamyang from a header. Yeah, he kind yeah, of yeah. lost it, got in a good position and yeah. lost it. And well, someone and ducked I, in front of him. Yeah, and, I think he, he just assumed the defender was going to get it. But he's usually yeah. really good on that kind of predatory, quick thinking. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's another indication of the tiredness of some of the players because it's, you know, as anyone who plays competitive sport knows, you know, I boxed. You know, once you're you're tired, once your respiratory is starting to go and you can't get the oxygenated blood into your brain, you, your brain just starts to slow down and shut down and you don't, make the quickest decisions. <clears throat> Huge chance for Kalasanak to find a ball for Aubameyang after that. Really, really poor. Um, it, it looked like it was every bit on. He looked completely tired. Torreira had had the absolute shit kicked out of him at this point by the end of the game. I'll tell you one of the really interesting things I find about Torreira, and, and maybe a point that <clears throat> I don't know if, if other people have brought it up yet or not, or if you've brought it up before, I reckon he would have one of the highest stats in the Premier League for quantity fouled because of how good he is on that little Cruyff turn and dropping a shoulder and how much he actually releases the pressure from us a lot of the time in possession of the ball because he gets chopped down. But again, coming back to what you said early on, 
If you get chopped down and fouled that much, game in, game out, eventually you're going to look at some impact injuries, some some Jack Wilshere-like injuries. You're going to mm. look at metatarsals and ankles and, and things like that. And he just, by the end of it, he looked absolutely out on his feet by the end of it. He'd, he'd been monstrous, but he looked super tired. Yeah. Um, Awobi looked super tired, heavy touches all over the place. And I was thinking... This just isn't going to happen for us today. You know, we. I, I wasn't worried that Huds were going to score. I, I didn't have that sinking feeling like I would have in the old days with Arsenal, that it was a game that we were going to lose. I just assumed it was going to fizzle out to nothing. Mm. And it, and it uh, would have been it would have been quite detrimental from a seasonal perspective because to have the the highest of the high winning against Spurs when we didn't expect it to drawing against Man U where we probably should have nicked the three points and then another draw so we're talking about five points from nine rather than you know rather than um as it turns out so it was vital and that's why i think going back to what you were just saying a draw for us would have felt like a bit of a loss so even though we weren't expecting to concede to draw would have been you know after after what we'd achieved would have been would have been pretty um it would have been a pretty bad feeling. Well, speaking of breaking the draw, Toby, Genduzzi finds a ball, knocks it over the top, amazing control by Aubameyang, amazing. really underplayed the level of control by Aubameyang because of the finish from Torreira. But you bang a man, pulls it out of the air, dinks it up to Torreira, who bicycle kicks, banks it into the goal, and I go ballistic. It's it's maybe as excited as I've been for a goal for Arsenal for a long time because my brain at this point started thinking, in the scheme of this season, this may be one of Arsenal's best performances. And that's mm. kind of perplexing for some people. And I put a few things up online and people were like, how can you possibly say that game is one of Arsenal's best performances? And I said, it's simply the fact that for us to go and get that goal at that time and win that game shows a level of progression, a level of fight, and a level of desire that I don't think an Arsenal team has had for a really long time. And I think a lot of when the Arsenal team did have that, it was old stalwarts from almost the Graham era that brought that into the team, not even so much the Wenger era. Mm. What Wenger inherited was what drove all of that fine. I know he replaced it somewhat, you know, in his reign when he had players like Patini and players like Vieira. But it's been since then that we've had this this notion of the fact that we're going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And teams either coming to the Arsenal or the Arsenal going to teams now, they have to know at this point that we're going to play for 95 minutes, 97 minutes in this case, and that we're just going to keep coming. And that for me, I am... Um, I rang you the day after and I said to you, huge, ecstatic, you know, not the same sort of ecstasy that I had after the Tottenham game, but a different type of ecstasy, Toby, a different type of enjoyment and a pleasure to watch Arsenal be able to win in multiple, multiple ways. Did you mm. feel the same after the game or were you were you flat after the game for the, the, the performance and the anxiety throughout? No, no, no. It was, it was, it was epic, 
absolutely epic. The the sense of relief from the depths of despair and anxiety was just it was just the best. And and I actually I actually it resonates with me what you just said because that that level of ecstasy from a really disruptive, really just disjointed performance and and that feeling that they were they were playing for this. They were Huddersfield were absolutely they could smell the blood. They had the sniff. They were playing for the draw. They were wasting time. They were systematically and rotationally fouling. We didn't have the interplay with our team. We were playing, you know, too many holding midfielders. It just wasn't working. But we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And you're banging man's feet to pluck that from the air and that absolutely delicious cross chip and and the sensational finish from, you know, from our favourite player at the moment. I mean, every Arsenal fan's favourite player at the moment. That release was an explosion. Best know, player so, in the league? Oh, no, no. But who's, be- who's better than him right now? Well, what, are you comparing apples and oranges and raspberries? No, when I'm talking, I mean, I'm not talking about skill level, but I mean, if I'm talking about a best player in the league, I'm thinking about who is affecting their club team more than Torreira is affecting well, Arsenal. Let, let's say, well, you're right, let's just say the most important player in our team, fuck the rest of the league, you know, to, to make a, a, a statement of who's the best player in the league. You know, it's a pretty it's a pretty bold statement, and you've got so many different players who excel in different styles of play and various attributes. But let's just say this guy is the single most important thing that's happened to our club for the last ten years. Definitely. So, Toby, I had a a, a final thought as I was kind of lying there in the morning. I'd got up, I'd watched the game. I was kind of elated by the game, like I said earlier on. And I just started writing down some some thoughts that I had. One of the thoughts I had was this this concept of having our Arsenal back and how it seems to mean certain things to certain people and, and what it means to me. Mm. And for me, Toby, what I came to the conclusion of is for some people, having your Arsenal back is winning. For some people, having your Arsenal back is having end-to-end goals. You know, the performance against Fulham, some people thought they had their Arsenal back. The performance against Tottenham, everyone felt they had their Arsenal back. But mm. for me, in this game, this is the most I've felt that I have my Arsenal back for so long. Mm. And I'll tell you the players that are making me feel that way. Lichsteiner, Socrates, Torreira, to some degree Kalasanak. Because for me, to have fighters... And I don't just mean fighters as in fighters for 50-50s and willing to put a ball in, but I mean guys who are willing to stand up and fight. Socrates had a moment today where he was just screaming at someone, getting in his face, you know, Lichsteiner, screaming at people, getting in people's faces. A couple of weeks ago, Kalasinac smashes a guy into touch, turns around, gets in the referee's face. Mm. For me, this is throw a throwback to a bygone era. Mm. And it makes me think about players like Ray Parler, Martin Keown. You know, it makes me think about when Van Nistelrooy missed that penalty. You know, and all the players were out. Uh, Lauren was another really bitey, you know, mm. rough player. You know, it, and it, it's the, the concept for me of having my Arsenal back 
is the concept of having that bite and that fight and having dirty players again. Well, Dennis we Burkamp was a we dirty, nice. dirty player. You know, he would stamp on your foot and elbow you in the head. Exactly. And for so long, we have been so pretty. And what I came to the conclusion of and what I'm interested on in your thoughts are was I don't think that Wenger ever lost the ability to play beautiful football. I don't think that Wenger ever lost the ability to be tactical. I think anyone who says, you know, Wenger wasn't tactical is foolish. Mm. But I wonder if Wenger lost the ability to pick players or to get people in that team to fight. Mm. And to how much inspire bite, yeah. To inspire bite and fight mm. and nastiness and the desire to be nasty and how important these players and these signings are yeah. for us moving forward. Well, I think that word signings is the most important thing. So whether or not he was able to inspire it, we will never know. You know, but we what we do know is he was never able to sign those players who had that fight and that bite. So I think it's twofold, you know. Potentially, he he wasn't instilling it. He was doing too much of this. Arsenal has to play in this certain way and um, portray this certain image of of doing it the Arsenal way. Okay, three two ones and one two threes, Toby. Uh, who did you have for your positive three and why? Uh, I had. Torreira for positive three. He actually wasn't going to be any more than a point or he was a neutral player for me. But but the influence of that goal, we just, we're just not going to know until the end of the season about the, the sheer impact that they may have. That he that also nearly have. cunted another one from distance as well that took an amazing save. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. So, yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, I also had Torreira for a plus three, mate. I thought that it, I thought that it maybe wasn't his most influential game in the sense of kind of his normal... Um, in the sense of what his normal style of game is. But... He was very active in the first half. He really pulled in and, and made that overload with Bellerin mm. in the first half. He had that one that he kind of did. And regardless of anything, I think you've almost got to give him the three points because of in the context of our season, how important that goal might end up being. And I, I you saw the team's reaction to it. The, the photo, the still of the players running up behind Torreira is an amazing photo if you haven't seen it. The, the look mm. of the mixture of joy and relief. And I think the players understood how important that game was in the construct of the season, because we are right there now. We're right there in the top four. There's no more fucking around wondering about whether or not we're going to be in or amongst it anymore. We're in it. We're there and everyone's beating everyone. So, you know, one week, this can, can massively change up and down. Toby, who'd you have for your two points and why? Uh, I had uh, Granite Jacker. I had our Lieutenant yeah. Dan for yeah, two Yeah, cracking points this game week. from Lieutenant Dan. Oh, I, I, think I thought had... it was really good, but bar there was the the still polarizing, annoying thing about Lieutenant Dan is how amazingly he, good he can be, but just the the one or two massive fuck ups he can have per game, 
and I get that I was saying that with Genduzi before, but um, Xhaka, he really brought that sense of quality. I, I found him very good in tight spaces in a heavy press. I thought he was quite good at that. He was definitely good defensively, winning the ball back, and he really opens up our wing backs and those beautiful quarterback balls, you know, opening up the runs from, um, you know, Kalasinac in particular, but also Bellerin. Um, so I actually thought overall he had a cracking game apart from his crap ball to Pritchard that we. But once again, him. once again, when he gets that ball wrong, he gets it wrong in the worst areas. Mm. I swear, if he could take that out of his game, I don't know how you take that out of your game. But if mm. he could take that out of his game, it would be, he would be. Did you see how good he was in tight areas? In the early part of the game, he kept taking the ball in really, really tight areas and turning out of it. I don't know whether he's been watching a bit of Terrera or it's something he's been working on, but he was much improved in this game in his speed of thought. Usually when he gets caught like that, he gets his pocket picked, and there was three or four times where he turned out of it and actually did a guy and got on the front foot, whereas Xhaka would usually just look to play that ball back and across. Um but yeah, yeah, completely agree with you. He was really impressive. I didn't have him for my two points. I had Hector for my two points. Yeah. And week in, week out, I am becoming more and more besotted with this guy and starting to see this guy as a, as a real leader. Him in, in tight spaces, he must be one of the most technical, best ball-retaining wide-backs in the league. And finally, remember last year when we started playing the three and we were all saying, this should suit Hector, and it didn't suit him in any way. Mm. Mm. Now we're starting to see a Hector Bellerin that makes sense. Mm. He's so good going forward. He provides so much. Early in the game, mm. he created heaps of opportunities. He runs all day. He plays every minute. He's kind of shouting at everyone. He's into everyone's ear. Really, really impressed with him. So I gave him my two. Who yeah. did you have for your one point, Toby, and why? I gave it to um, Jared Butler for the one point for this game. Surprise. Very good. He was really close for me, really close. Yeah, I I thought he was he was not so bad going forward. I think he showed a little bit more of his ability on the ball. I I realize he's not quite as good as Rob Holding in that sense, but you know, he he was he was a bit of a mountain. They weren't the easiest team to defend against. That Delacroix or whatever, he was a massive fucking unit. I, don't, I have never seen him play before, but he is one big fucking number nine. Um, I just I just thought he was really solid and exactly what we've been needing for a long time, you know, uh, an out-and-out defender. So I um, gave him a point. So my one point, Toby, I gave to Lieutenant Dan, Granite Shacker. I think he won all of his headers, had the most amount of passes, had... Six most amount of clearances, most amount of passes, most amount of tackles, one, uh, most amount of interceptions. Yeah. You know, and, and you would say that and you'd say, well, well, you know, why doesn't he get more points for you? And it goes back to what you said before. I had him really high and I just struggle when he plays such stupid balls in such dangerous areas. And that wasn't the only one. I think there was one other. There was well. one other. He had yeah. he had two of them, which were really, really poor. Mm. And it just comes back to it for me over and over again that, you know, as much as he does all this good stuff, he he just has this this horrible tendency to just buck up in the in the biggest possible ways. And when he does, they just turn into massive chances. But 
I couldn't overlook him for how solid he was. For much of the game, I was just saying, fuck, this guy's really coming along. And like I said in the Man U game, you really realize what he does when he's not there. Mm. Toby, who did you have for your negative one? And did you find these negative points as impossibly difficult as I did? And not because everyone played really well or lots of people played really well, but just because no one really played really, really badly. Mm. I'm going to go left field here. Total last minute, make an out of the blue change of heart. I'm going to give a negative one to Jay Leno. Really? Explain. I feel that for the last two games, he has been more nervous on the ball and we haven't been playing out from the back as well. He has been punching the ball long, a lot. He's been punching it long, a lot. So we... I feel like after that error, I forget which game it was where he was beaten at the near post. Was it the Spurs one? I, I yeah. just feel that his distribution has been lacking and he's such a big part of our of our build-up and the fact that we don't have a lot of guys who can flick on. Um, I thought about giving it to Laka, but I genuinely feel that he slipped and I thought that he had a pretty good game holding up beforehand. So <clears throat> I didn't want to shit on him for that. I almost gave Leno negative points against Manu for the very same reason that he just created a bit of nervousness at the back and had stopped playing out. Partly I thought that was because he didn't have Xhaka as the outball for the Manu game. But um, look, th- that's what I'm going to go for. I'm scraping the bow a little bit for negative ones. Um, but yeah, that's that's been on my mind for a couple of games. So I'm going to go with that. And I ended up giving my negative one to Lacazette, and honestly, I, I don't even have reasons for it. <laughs> mm. I, I, I thought it was a bad miss. You know, yeah. I know you saw it as a slip. I saw it as a bad miss. Um, I thought he was okay for the rest. Negative one, Lacazette. Sorry, bud. Had to throw it to someone. Can't not yep. give one for the week. Toby, who'd you have for negative two? I gave it to Sideshow Bob. My negative Yeah, that's two. fine. I mean, yeah. Do you know the reason I didn't give him negative three? Why? Because he should have had an assist for you, for your banging man. Well, was he it? got the pre-assist No, no, as sorry. Well. Sorry, that was Lacazette. So you should have been an assist for your banging man, which would have changed the, the whole makeup of the game if we'd scored early. It would have made the fact that we had three holding midfielders better. Um, and I also took into account that pre-assist was delicious. That was a really good ball. Lovely ball. Man. Lovely so, ball. One of the first times he didn't just kind of to Nielsen for the game as well. He was he was playing a lot of very short balls. I kind of thought that maybe because he had not played so well and he'd been quite dangerous in his role against Man U, that maybe he went a little ultra safe in this game. Mm. And, and nothing was really penetrative for mm. him. And, and that's why you missed the Aaron Ramsey part so much and, and, and why you miss the um the Urzel part mm. so much. Mate, for negative two... Can, can, can I just add one last thing before you do your negatives? Another reason was right at the very end. So, Guendouzi has a habit of nothing balls into the box and completely exposing us on the counter-attack. So he's done this quite frequently. He did it against Manu. He did it against Huddersfield. This is right at the end of the game where we've we've already won. We're already a goal up. 
So he gets it, he's sort of like 20 metres outside of the box, nothing really on, throws a nothing ball that hits like the first man. And we're not even talking, he's not even from an edge. We're talking about just lobbing it in. And they hit us on the counter. You it know, goes and back we to have what to... I said about him in the Man U game, that he is dangerous at times. That's and what that I mean. the thing of him being hyper, hyper uh, confident, which is his best attribute, Mm. at times you're just screaming at him to say just play the simple ball yeah play the simple ball or play the safe ball yeah you know and and he he goes between like i said being a bit to nielsen and just moving the ball a bit side to side and not having that same sort of penetrative penetrative final third entry pass that mm. jacker has and mm. the other thing with Gendouzi i'm realizing as well is he's quite slow I would say he's maybe one of the slowest running speed guys in the team. There are a couple of moments where balls got hit in behind and he's not, maybe because he's 19, he's not on a big physical athletic frame, but mm. he's not fast either. So mm. he kind of plays at a high tempo, but he doesn't have a great shift in pace mm. as sorts. But look, I didn't find negative points for Genduzi this game. I thought that he maybe did just enough for me with some of the good things that he did. Well, he certainly I, did a couple of good things, and and I thought like he had said, some. I thought struggle. he had some nice touches, mate. Yeah. I gave negative two to a Wobi. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So I'm really racking up the points on this guy, like yeah. really racking up the points. This guy, I thought he was almost completely ineffective in this game. He had maybe two really good passes, but he is becoming for me a very predictable player at Arsenal that you know what he's going to do and you know what he's going to get wrong. He lost mm. the ball a lot. He got dispossessed a lot. He ran around with his head down a lot. And he started off well, but it didn't It didn't last. He started off well when he got played in behind a bit, but I don't know whether he needs uh, time off, time away, you know, maybe to be out of the team. I mean, he's not going to go out of the team because the, the squad depth's not there, so it's a, it's a stupid fucking comment. But I don't know what he needs, whether it's very much a system thing, because a Wobi majority of the time this year has looked quite good in that four uh, two uh, when he's been on the on the left of a front three, yeah, not yeah, kind of on the left of a you know inside channel two with other people around him. He's getting swapped out to the right a lot. He had some really bad touches on the right, um, not. My favourite player at the moment, Awobi, and it's mm. reflected in my points. Mm. Toby, who did you have for negative three? Awobi. You had Wobes as well. All right. Yeah. Anything look, to add on my... Uh, look, no, I mean, keep it pretty short on that because, you know, you've just said most things. But I actually thought he was quite good when he came on. I didn't think he was getting in behind, but I thought he was getting Kalasinac in behind, and that was good. Um I just feel like he doesn't really know what he wants to do at the moment. A lot of our play is breaking down with him. Um, and whilst he's, he's a good and athletic body for us driving forward, it's just he's just a bit inconsistent and, and really lacking in that final third. So it's a what bit of a... What would you do with the Wobi? What would you do with the Wobi? Do you just keep playing him to death because you have to? I mean, is his spot I, right I, now I, on I the don't, bench? I don't think we have a choice. I don't think we have another choice at the moment. On the bench or because starting next game? I would have him on the bench and I would be playing whoever comes back first in a number 10. I would See, stick... I really like this Mikatarin Awobi off the bench thing. Mm. I really like it. 
Mm. I think it gives you... I, I mean, I know I'm, t- I'm giving Iwobi a lot of poor points at the moment. But, I mean, if you think about not what players are doing when they're not playing well, but what players are capable of doing when they are playing well. I quite like the idea of bringing tempo off the bench. Yeah. Because if we've kind of battered teams and run them into the ground, I like the idea of being able to bring on Mkhitaryan, being able to bring on, being able to bring on Mkhitaryan, being able to bring on Genduzi, being able to bring on Awobi, because mm. all of these guys are higher touch players who want to get on the ball and and run and rise the tempo, and I like that. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, Awobi's come off the bench a couple of times in a row now and done nothing done nothing yeah. been detrimental to the team so i understand that completely toby look mate for negative three for me i had kalasanak i had the fridge wow and it and wow. i thought yeah i thought a lot of what he did was really bad i thought he was really really wasteful today and this has been coming See, a i thought bit he was big. better than the man U game I, he no was, i thought he was, he was i thought, he was, I thought he was more wasteful for me in the man U game well you and i have now disagreed on kalasanak either given him, one of us given positives and one of us gives him negatives a couple of times. Mm. So he's a bit of a perplexing player at the moment. I thought he was really, really profligate from wide areas today. I thought he looked probably the most tired player on yeah. the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, which isn't surprising for a guy on that body shape. You know, yeah. that he's going to be that tired after all of those games. Yeah. And, and he hadn't I mean, had a big run in the team before he came back. He, also needs, a, he also needs a break and... I mean, we might as well touch on it really quickly now. We've got Southampton on the weekend. Yeah. We've got no fucking centre-backs. We kind of touched on it early on. We've got a lot of guys... And they've got a new manager, so they're going to be up yes, for it. Yes, they're going to be up for it big time. And actually, our record against Southampton is not fantastic. No, um, but that, that's because we had finger. So, this is my question for you, and we'll finish the pod on this... Mm. Uh, Maybe we'll just do a quick score prediction at the end. Yeah. But my question for you is, Toby, is really simple. Considering the run of games that we've had mm. and the points that we've extracted, mm. might this be a game to roll the dice and bench some players? For example, I think Kalasnak needs a break. I would start Monreal at left back. I don't because I might have centre backs eight days off. They'll have eight days. Yeah, but off. I might have centre backs of Koscielny and Lichsteiner at yeah. centre back with Bellerin outside of them. I might rest Torreira and bring in someone like Maitland Niles or play a three in midfield and play Maitland Niles, Genduzi, and Xhaka, and then give either or Aubameyang or Lacazette. A break. I'd like to actually see Aubameyang go onto the bench because I thought he's looked tired as well. Mm. So would you take that approach that I'm taking, which is let's rest some of these guys who look tired so that we can, one, get some games into some guys who we're going to need in December and maybe take a risk on this game that if we lose it, we lose it. Maybe we get a point out of it or a draw. Or do you want to keep going down this path of just taking as many points as we can, as hard and as fast as we can. I I reckon we don't need to rest that many players because there's an eight-day turnaround. So we play the kids in UEFA, in UEFA Cup. We we play an even worse squad than we did against Carabag the other week. So literally, just you're saying take the, no one, just take a squad of kids. Absolutely, 
No Leave one. Leave everyone so, at home. Yeah. So we're, we're through. Doesn't matter. Like literally none of our first team. Okay. Then, yep. I, then I would be saying we can play everyone against Southampton. I actually think Southampton is an important game. Okay, give me your strongest 11 with what we've got available to our, to us. Okay, I would be going... And a formation, please. Okay, so let's do... Let's do... 4-3-3. So let's do Southampton away from home. So let's go Koscielny and Mineral starting. We've yep. Licksteiner as a backup. You can switch to a back three. Uh, I would be playing Kolasinac and Bellerin. I would be playing Torreira because, you know, instead of having three games in a week like he just had, he's had eight days off. Um, I would be playing Genduzzi and... Yeah, so, so Genduzzi and Jacka with Torreira. Um, and then with Maitland-Niles on the bench and hoping that he can get a bit of a run out. Maitland-Niles should play 90 minutes against the um, for the, the Europa League. Yeah, maybe pull Genduzzi at 60 minutes if we're... In yeah. A, uh, sorry, maybe pull Torreira at 60 minutes if we're yeah. in a, a good and position. And then, look, I would be... I would actually probably give... Awobi another crack in a wide three, Mkhitaryan on the right and Lacazette in the middle. So you're going to bench you banging man? Just so he can have a little break and then come back and score his goals. I like it, mate. Score prediction? I I don't know. 2-1 to the Arsenal. We home or, we home or away? Home, away. away. We're away, are we? I'm pretty sure, yeah. So 2-1 to the Arsenal for you? Yeah, yeah. I am going to predict... A one-one draw. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I have a feeling it could end up being something like that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna predict a, I'm gonna predict a one-one draw. I think that Southampton will be really fired up. I think that we're gonna struggle at centre back. Mm. You know, I don't think that we can overlook that we're gonna struggle at centre back. I agree with you. It makes more sense to play three more of those more defensive midfielders and maybe play some really fast, dynamic guys up top in a Wobi Mikatarian. Mm. And for me, maybe Aubameyang, mm. and actually try and hit them on the break. Mm. Maybe yeah, be compact. Look, it, Southampton it, it, have struggled yeah. for goals all year. Yeah, all year they've yeah. struggled for goals. It's been their biggest problem. Yeah. So if we can stay tight and compact, and have Torreira doing his job sweeping in front, Xhaka doing his job, Genduzi doing his job, and maybe protecting Koscielny yeah. and Monreal a bit. Yeah, maybe what we can do is we can kind of hunker down and use our pacey guys to try and break in the transition. That's right. And and it could actually be that your banging man is the one that starts up top. I, I don't really mind who who plays. You know, it, it depends on the setup, you know, how how deep Southampton's defence are going to be, how, how much they're going to come at us. You know, we both know that they're both effective off the bench. So, you know, give or take for me on those two. Maybe you still give your banging man another go because of his form. You know, he's another one. He gets eight days off as well. And literally take none of, take none of these guys. I think it's at home. Play the kids. You know, Smith death row. Maitland-Niles is the captain. Get him to play 90 minutes. Chris Willock. Um, you know, have Czech as the only experienced player out there. Literally play the kids. All right, guys. That brings us to the end of this Ask Brothers Rankcast. Bit of a funny one 
this week we, we couldn't really fit so much banter in because we had to rattle through two games and try and get it done in an hour and a half. Um, but we'll be back next week for the Southampton game, for the wrap-up, in what I think might end up being one of the most important games of the season. Mm. One of the most important games of the season just to get a point. Or, As we- or always, whether it becomes a bridge too far. Mm, mm, indeed. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at AskBrothersMax. Follow Toby on Twitter at AskBrothersToby. And we will see you straight after the Southampton game. Thank you and good night. Good night.